whole church, all the adult classes at this time, are going through a series of lessons, and we are doing that same thing, in that we will start a series today, and all four of these lessons will be taught by our class members. We will have two lessons on worship and two on living generously. Today, John Sharp will kick this off for us. John and Lena are very active not only in our class, but in the church itself. I see John at job networking. I know he's on various committees. But the main thing I appreciate about John, he's a friend. Even this morning, he claimed me as a friend. So thank you, John. Please come up and share with us. Thank you, Al. Am I turning this on? Yeah. Okay. This is my able technical assistant, Doug. <laughs> and I have to give a little bit of credit to my coach, Lena. Uh, and uh, Al has already mentioned he's responsible for uh, this morning. So he's, he's the one that asked me to do this. And I did tell him last week, hey, we could skip this week. And he, he didn't think that was good. This morning, what I'm going to talk about is primarily corporate worship. Our worship service, for us, it's at 9.30 and 11 on uh, Sunday mornings. But I will touch on a few other uh, types of worship as we go through. But just to make sure I clarify, when I say worship, uh, primarily I'm thinking of the uh, worship experience uh, on Sunday morning. When you hear the word worship, what comes to your mind? What do you think about when you think of worship? Church. Church. God. Okay, so we all have a vision of what worship is. The church is the gathered assembly of believers in Christ. That's, that's for us, the church. We are the church. Worship is where we come together to offer our praise and adoration to God. Worship is something we do. It's not a time to be entertained. This is a time that we can put aside our cares, concerns, and differences and focus all of our attention on the worship of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The first four commandments are about worship. The first one is to worship only God. Don't make idols to worship. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. And remember to keep the Sabbath and keep it holy. Uh, those are the teachings that, you know, we've heard all of our life. But it kind of sets the scene for, for worship. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, indeed it faints for the courts of the Lord. Psalm 84, 1 and 2. Every time we worship, we should have a feeling of expectation, believing that God is wanting to communicate with us, in some part of the time we're together in worship. My week just doesn't start out well unless I have been in corporate worship with a, a, a large group of people. Uh, the, the picture that I have up there came off the Internet. It's not one of my photographs, but that one of the times I've always just had a real appreciation for worship is when I'm out outside uh, I remember being in the Appalachian Mountains on the Appalachian Trail uh, with the Boy Scouts, the Blue Ridge Mountains where we would have been, but with Boy Scouts uh, as an adult leader. We'd set up camp, and after a little while, 
I'd go off by myself a few minutes. And just the scenery that you can see, and I'll never forget seeing, and this is what reminded me of it, at sunset, being able to see out over the mountains and also seeing a waterfall. And it's just, you know, they're just times that, that God gives us. They're gifts from God that, that we do have. Uh, just so you know, uh, resources, I did get suggestions on some books. Julie and, uh, Julie Wright and Scott Dixon, uh, gave us an outline to use for the series we have. Uh, and just wherever I found other information. So you're getting a little of my own, uh, thoughts, but most of them are things I've learned over the years. And then I did use some material from other places. I just hope I can convey to you this morning some of the passion that I feel in worship because it's just unbelievable to me what God does. And I feel it so much when I sit down in a sanctuary to worship God with other people. Now, um, this is what I'm having to do on my own. I want to show a quick video and I'll tell you where it comes from after. Hey, what do you think is the most important thing we do as a Christian congregation? Sell tickets to Sunday's car wash? Plan services around the NFL schedule? Or serve up something better than tuna noodle casserole at the church potluck? Well, as important as that last one is, it is not the most important thing we do as a church. For those of you who said worship, ding, 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 winner, winner, chicken dinner, worship is the most important thing we do, the most important oh, action we take as a Christian congregation because of what worship means. So, what does worship mean? Sounds like that's what we're talking about, worship, on this episode of Chuck Knows Church. Oh, no. I beat your minutes down. So... What is so important about worship, you say? This uh, all-important action that we take as a Christian congregation. Why all this stretching? I can feel that in my glutes. Oh, all the stretching and, and the warm-up. And what does it have to do with worship? Well, the word worship comes from the old Anglo-Saxon word, worthon. Worthon. To declare how much something is worth. Worth on. Pronounced worth on. <laughs> yeah, has nothing on me. Worth on. <laughs> All right. Ooh, I think I pulled my rotator cuff. Ah, the actual Old English spelling was written and pronounced worthship. Worship. Try saying that five times real fast. Worship, 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 worship. It just rolls right off the tongue, doesn't it? No, it doesn't. It's too difficult, right? So, I know. Hey, let's just clean up that funky spelling. Make it easier on the old twisted tongue. So we did. And when I say we did, I mean they did long before I was born. Ah, so they cleaned it up and the word became worship. Worship. Also important to remember, worship is an action. <laughs> now you're getting it. A-C-T-I-O-N. Action. That's what the early Christians thought anyway. Just check out these three Greek words from the New Testament, uh, which all mean worship in English. They are sebomai, meaning to lift up high or to exalt. Proskuneo, meaning to bow down. And latrevo, meaning to serve. That's right. Verbs, 
three virtually unpronounceable verbs. Yes, action words, meaning worship is not something we attend, but something we do. <clears throat> and these three Greek words, they all go together to lift up, to bow down, and to serve. Always we act out our worship, always that we worship God. Action words, remember. So, reach up for Sabamai. Bow down for Proscaneo, and then reach out for La Trevo. Okay? Uh, again, up and down and out and up and down and out and up and down and out and up and down and down. My form was excellent on that. I'm going to just fast for a second. It's not so much this as much as the whole can someone give me a medic or something? <laughs> I'm good. Actually, I'm good. Ah, too many, uh, too many pancakes is all. <clears throat> and <clears throat> despite all the worship calisthenics, our original meaning is still there: to declare how much something is worth. And at the top of our worth chart. No, not money or chocolate chip pancakes or even the church potluck. Of course, it's God. And that's why worshiping God is the most important action. It's the most important action that we take. I'm going to sit down this last bit if that's okay. All right, if you would like to learn more, ask your pastor. Tell him Chuck sent you. I just happened to like that. So, where did you get that? Um, let me switch here. Um, this is a series of videos. There's a bunch of them, uh, and they're all about that. They're four to six minutes. They're out on the United Methodist Church, uh, UMC, UMC.org. The General Board of Discipleship is where you'll find it. Uh, or you could, yeah, it's right down at the bottom. If I'd have read that, I don't know. Uh, Chuck Knows Church is a series of videos they've put together to educate us on the things that happen in church. It's everything from the paraments to uh, communion to baptism to sermons, whatever. As it happens, and you can see that Chuck's is Josh Childs. He was selected. He's a Christian actor, and he was selected to do this. Uh, Julie Wright told us about this when she was just telling us a little bit about the series. And I went out there, and I've watched several of them, but they're well done. Uh, and the thing I liked about it, they actually tell you how to download them. <laughs> so I didn't have to feel like, I'm going to show you one more video at the end. And uh, that one I had to pull off of YouTube, and Doug made me feel guilty about that one. Uh, but to lift up, to bow down and serve, and that's, that's really what worship is about. Why we worship, and these are things that I have just gleaned from wherever, and I'm sure you can think of other uh, reasons of why, but it's to praise and glorify God, to communicate with God, to encourage one another, to hear God's messages, to participate in the sacraments, and to go out and serve God. Um, I, I'm just going to give you a little bit of my worship story. And Lena's reminded me, don't take too long as I go through. But I am going to start back. My first memories 
of worship. When I was a child growing up, uh, my whole memory as a child was uh, being involved in the church, a little church, Baptist church in Madison, North Carolina, where I grew up. We were always there for something. You had morning worship. You had Sunday school, morning worship, Baptist training union in the evening, and then another worship service. And we were there. And the problem I had was Lena said, well, what did that mean? What did it mean to me? Oops, not, not clicking. Uh, I told her, I really can't remember other than the fact I was required to be at church. And that's kind of what I was. I was there, you know, taking up a few space. During my teenage years, uh, which would have been, you know, high school, college, uh, a little bit of active duty time with the Army Reserve, most Sundays I was in church somewhere. If I stayed in town in Roanoke, Virginia, where I was in school, I might even be at a Catholic Mass with one of my friends there, because Mike was always in worship. He was always at Mass, and I might just go with him. Or I knew a Baptist minister there. He'd actually been at our old church in Madison. I might go to his church if I was there. But Sundays would find me in worship somewhere. Again, probably more habit that had been developed by my my parents. During our early years of marriage, uh, which included, you know, kids relocating, you know, with jobs, some, Again, we would find ourselves worshiping. The first year and a half, we were in Pittsburgh, North Carolina, near Chapel Hill. And uh, we tried out, we visited churches in the town. A lot of times we were at the Methodist church, as it happened. Uh, or if we were visiting family, wherever, we would find ourselves in worship. And while, you know, worship was important, I still think a lot of that was just pure habit. In 65, we transferred, 1965, we transferred to Pompton Lakes, New Jersey. And after visiting a few churches there, and we were trying to blend a Baptist and a Moravian, you know, in our uh, beliefs, we ended up at the Reformed Church in America, Pompton Reformed Church. And we were invited to go there. Uh, one of the men I worked with said, you know, this is kind of the church in Pompton Lakes, where you want to go. We visited there, and we did, in fact, like it. Um, if I'm not mistaken, we had two worship services. But we started attending worship regular, then got involved. We did not have adult Sunday school. We had small groups, but we got involved in the church. But we started going there probably in October and November of 65 in around Easter, Palm Sunday. We had been through some membership classes and joined the church there in March of 66. That's the point in my life where I truly believe that I accepted what Christ had done for me. So that became a special place. The Sunday worship service was an uplifting experience, uh, very much so for us. So it, the first time in my life that I recall going to worship by choice was at that point in my life. Um, we subsequently ended up in Charlotte. We moved from uh, New Jersey down to Charlotte, North Carolina. We visited churches there, and we ended up at Sardis Presbyterian. Part of what attracted us there in the worship experience, people really reached out to us. It was like they cared that we were there. We went to some churches literally from the time we got out of the car back in the car. No one spoke. But at that church, people reached out to us, whether they knew we weren't, you know, we were new or whatever. Through the worship experience, again, we got involved in Sunday school, other uh, activities in the church. We found a, a home there. 
but it was a good place to worship. Uh, we came to Roswell, uh, visited here a few times, and we came here in 82, but we got, we had a, uh, phone call maybe three months after we came asking us to be involved in a new church start for the Reformed Church in America. So we did that. And we were involved in that start until 2004. And we prayerfully made a decision to find a new church. We visited churches in this area, and we just kept coming back here. And at some point in 2004, we just settled in here. And I think it was 2005 we joined. Now, we'd already found CUC before that, so we had something else to, you know, attract us. But from the time we started worshiping here, we were looking for a sanctuary, a place that we could just find peace, and we found it here. And this church welcomed us. You folks welcomed us. You didn't know us from Adam, but you welcomed us here. And and again, through the attraction of the worship service, we found a church home here. And the worship is is all inclusive, and, and I'll touch on that in just a moment. But again, we choose to worship God in this place. It, it's our choice. Uh, at Job Networking on Monday night, uh, Tyrone Griffin, who was the speaker, said that just because we didn't hear God at a worship service did not mean that God was not there. And I have to remind myself of that sometimes because I don't always, you know, everything doesn't uh, resonate in, in, with me in worship. Uh, I don't always feel the presence of the Holy Spirit at the same time in a worship service. I may feel the presence of the Holy Spirit here or small group, wherever. We're all that. We can't really predict when we're going to feel that oneness with God and the people around us. But it does happen. And, and I think that I have to be open to that. Um, one of the things about uh, feeling that presence of God, back in 2001, my sister died suddenly of a blood clot after knee surgery. One of my sisters. And that happened in uh, on August 10th of 2001. 9-11 happened in September, and then in October, I was out in Michigan at a uh, evangelism, small evangelism conference uh, with some other Reformed Church folks. But I really felt the presence of God then uh, in that group. That there was just something about it. We were singing, It Is Well With My Soul. And I remember just having tears come. But I felt God's touch at that point. And to me, that's what worship is. When, when God touches me that strongly, I feel. Some of the ways that we worship, I have to remember you're not looking the same thing I am, but uh, ways we worship, uh, personal or private worship, critical. I think we all know that. It offers us an opportunity at least once a day to find a quiet place at home or wherever we are to commune with our God through Christ. We may choose to pray read a favorite devotional, read a Bible, the Bible, journal, or just sit quietly in God's presence. But as we relax and take this time with God, we may find that he is filling our minds with ways to serve him. In 1 Thessalonians, the Apostle Paul encourages us to pray all day long. And I'm sure you know that's tough to do all the time. There are things I'd rather do than pray on 400. Sometimes I need to pray there as well. Um, small group worship. Small group worship can take many forms. It can be a covenant group, Sunday school, Bible studies, and many other groups that are focused on learning how to live for God in our world. 
There are also times when we find fellowship, sharing our concerns, joys, and our faith with a small group that are very critical for us. Personal and small group worship is necessary for many reasons, but one of the primary reasons, it prepares us to worship God with the whole church on Sunday. It's where we all come together in a worship experience. And corporate worship is our opportunity at least once a week to come together as a whole church in the worship of our God. This is our time to participate in prayer, singing, listening. This is our time to feel the Holy Spirit moving in our midst as a church. This is our time to make a joyful noise to God because of what he is, what he has done, and what he is doing. Worship comes from the heart and consumes our whole being as we offer praise, adoration, and a listening mind to God. During and after worship, we're better prepared to offer service to others in the name of Christ. Components of small group worship, uh, fellowship, sharing, prayer, study. Do you remember the theme song from Cheers, where everybody knows your name? That's what I think of when I think of CUC or the small groups we're in. Everybody knows who we are. Uh, as humans, we long to be known, and God knows us. We love it when someone remembers our name. It makes us feel important, wanted, accepted, loved. When someone knows my name, there's more going on than just a recognition. The idea behind this uh, song, where everybody knows my name, is that there's a relationship. We aren't just a patron. We're someone welcome and accepted, maybe even a friend. We feel this in our class and in the covenant groups that are spawned by this class. And the key thing is, God knows our name, and think of how he appreciates us knowing his and offering him the worship. There are many components of our corporate worship. Uh, I, I'm not going to read through all these, but the key point is here, whether uh, we are involved in uh, directly up front, if you will, as a pastor, a worship leader, the choir, the greeters, ushers, the people who are very visible in worship, the people behind the scenes who are preparing things, all of us during a worship service, uh, particularly at these times that uh, worship is being offered, praise is being offered to God on our behalf. As we listen, we can be praying and agreeing with what's being offered. If it's a, an organ piece of the choir, just letting God know, hey, I agree with that. This is being done, you know, it's part of my praise to you. During corporate worship, the prayers, the scripture uh, that are being offered, uh, the, the sermon that Mike or whoever's in the pulpit that Sunday, uh, that's our time to listen for messages that God has for us through that person and the preparation they've made on our behalf. I find that taking notes or even listening again to the, to the sermon during the week after it's posted, will help me glean a little more from that that sermon than just listening. But again, as I'm listening, as a participant, if you will, as a worshiper, uh, I need to be lifting the people up in prayer. These are the times that we definitely all participate. Uh, when we have our uh, time of greeting where we're welcoming the people around us, um, the hymns, the creeds, the, the things that we do verbally in worship, Again, as we think about those things, we're offering God our praise, our adoration, as we lift those up to him. But one of the things that struck me as I was reading through some of the various material, 
and I, and I knew this, but not as directly. But it doesn't matter what I'm doing when I walk into this classroom or when I walk into the sanctuary for worship. I should walk in in, a, in an attitude of prayer and adoration, particularly if we're an usher or a greeter. We're there a little bit before everybody else. We can kind of walk around and pray about what's getting ready to happen and for those people that are going to experience this with us. So it's a it, it, it's a real opportunity for us. I feel that through worship, I have the opportunity to feel this oneness with God and the people around me. I feel community because I'm part of a worshiping community, a relationship with the people and with God, uh, the, the God that I'm there to worship. There's an acceptance level. People accept us how we are. Uh, when we come together in worship, we kind of forget differences that we may have with, with each other, with other people. We're just there. So all of us are accepted at that point. There's an attitude of gratitude and the giving. I, I give financially, but also I give of my service. And those are things that, that, that I truly feel that uh, that God's looking for. Um, and I'm going to switch to, to one more video, and this will take just a second. Bear with me. King the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder do you know him. My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's impurely powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He threatens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleanses the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he purifies the weak. I wonder if you know him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a well-trained of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his word is right. I wish I could describe it for you. 
see you in worship. <laughs> Thank you, John. Very good. Thank you. Uh, <clears throat> wanted to make one announcement earlier. I forgot, but um, last Sunday we had a visitor in our class that came in and, and uh, was here with us during the worship, uh, our class. And afterwards, I know he was talking to different individuals, trying to you know, gather some funds and stuff. And I just want to remind everybody that, you know, we're told that when we, we're really a prime target for people coming off the street because we're here and we're a large class. So first of all, you can do what your heart leads you to do. But however, the church has a lot of opportunities to service and everything. So and we have a, something like that in our class. We're asked to send them to the church office for assistance or refer them over to North Fulton Charities. So just a, a reminder of how we're supposed to ask to do that. But anyway, I want to leave you for a thought for the day. And with John's suggestion here of how our worship should be set forth, this is a good start. Take the first step in faith. You don't have to see the whole staircase. Just take the first step. So with that, have a good week.